Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome, listeners, to the Speaking from Our Hearts podcast. Today, I'm joined by a gentleman from the UK by the name of Mr. Alex Petty. And Alex is going to be talking to us around what might seem initially a curious title, an intriguing title, From X to Y, A Journey of Transformation. Alex, very, very warm welcome to you. Good morning, Paul, and welcome to you. And uh, yeah, so as I've said, a bit of an intriguing title from X to Y. Do you want to set the scene for us, Alex? Yeah, it's um, a big transformation for me. For many years, I'd uh, put off um, changing something about myself uh, that those who know me would actually uh, recognise. And it was my size, my physique. And something happened to me at the beginning of this year. Essentially, I had a pulmonary embolism. That's blood clots on the lungs. Hmm. And the upshot of it was that I made the decision to actually change myself. So my X to Y journey is going from being in hospital on the 14th of January to now where I've actually transformed myself from 18 stone nine to 13 stone three. So that's well over five stone. Wow. And might be a bit of an obvious question, um, (laughs) Alex, but... I can only imagine you feel so much more better within your own body. You know, we're losing five stone. Yeah, it, it's a strange one because I'm looking out of myself with the same eyes and I don't actually see it until I see photographs. Mm. Physically, life is so much easier. I can now get through the gaps that I thought I could, but I couldn't. Um, so now when I turn sideways in a car park, I can actually get between the, the cars where I used to get stuck, um, which was a bit of an indicator that things were getting a bit on the wrong side. One of the questions I always ask when people face that sort of, um, how can I say, decision time, crucial decision time about, "Mm, okay, I've got a big decision to make here. You know, that very powerful leverage, if you will, Alex. I mean, was was you conscious of that at the time or was it, one of those, oh, you know, okay, I think, I think I've got to do this. Or was it a really stark, almost do-or-die decision in terms of your own awareness? It was actually what I call a BFO, blinding flash of the obvious, or one of those dope moments Yeah, where I was having a bit of a pity party, um, feeling really glum, feeling down. Um, I don't know, I was actually hooked up to two cannulas and being injected regularly. I had sepsis as well as my uh, PE Hmm. and feeling a bit glum. And I just thought, you know what, I'm done with this. And it was a big revelation to me. And I suddenly found my why. So 
you know, I think whys are situational. You know, why do we do this? Why do we that? Mm. Um, but for this given situation, I found my why was I wanted to get healthy. I wanted to get well. Yeah. And I chose to make a big transformation. And it was purely at that moment. So it didn't just creep up on me. It was a sudden woomph. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I can, certainly on a personal level, Alex, I can relate to that when I had the same uh, black and white choice scenario um, in 2010 over my uh, ad- addiction with, with drink. And it was that, um, okay. Because I thought, I honestly thought my time had come after mm-hmm. years of abusive and heavy drinking through my, uh, yeah, and I'm on about from, you know, a very early age, uh, 10 to be precise. Um, the, the time had come and my mm. self-talk was, if I get through this, it'll, it'll, it'll be different. You know, that was my kind of, I think some people call it reaching the rock bottom and then the only way is up scenario. Um, yeah, that, that favourite Yaz song. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I won't try and sing for you. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. not one of my attributes is singing in tune. Yeah, I even got sacked by the singing teacher when I was about twelve. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I absolutely resonate with that. Um, and I think I've had that a few times in my life, but not quite as strong as this. And mm. I'm actually taking that learning and now building it into my life that when I want to make a change, I actually do it wholeheartedly now. Mm. Great big learning. So we're never too old to learn these sorts of things. So for that sort of conscious um, decision that w- was taken, Alex, to, to change, was you, was you aware of a, a bigger why? Um, and I know Simon Sinek talks about, you know, our big whys. Um, and if we keep digging long enough, I mean, certainly the work we do about, or I do around, uh, you know, disempowering beliefs, negative beliefs, is keep digging down. So when somebody gives a reason as to why they do something, um, and, okay, so why do you do that? And they give an answer. And then you Mm. ask, yeah, but why do you do that on the answer? And and you just keep digging and digging and digging. And the rationale is that sooner or later, if you can find a weakness in that why, even by going down several levels, then that's the weakness that needs to be worked on. There's usually seven levels. Um, and that's the, the weakness that needs to be worked on because it's a bit like a pebble in a shoe. If it's not removed, it's still going to cause pain and it's not going to allow you to move forward um, and enjoy life. So, yeah, I think a lot of that's if you take uh, Gleisher's theory from the early 60s, um, D times V times F has to be greater than R. I, the dissatisfaction with the way things are times the vision of being able to see how it can be, mm. times taking those first steps, the how-tos, uh, has to be greater than the resistance to change. And I think that sits you know, nicely next to the, the whys. Yeah. You know, we, we, I think we all know why. Sometimes I think we're in denial. We don't respect ourselves enough to actually really look inside and select the why that is really stopping us. Mm. Um, and for me, the resistance to change was um, one of the key things was that I worried that if I changed, people wouldn't know me or like me anymore. How oh, strange right. is that? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so my why was hiding. And I think that's what a lot of it is. And I think as coaches and mentors and trusted advisors, it's probably our role to actually help people find their why. And I now um, put down that I am actually a why finder. And I think the one big, the big lesson for me was I've really understood how to find whys. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, but I suppose, um, and I agree with all that, Alex, um, I suppose the question that I was really digging below the obvious of, well, from a health perspective, I, I seriously need to change my life here. And that's a statement that I think fits both of us, obviously different yeah. sort of uh, challenges, but the same statement. Um, yeah, but Paul, why do you want to live? And I suppose that's that was my question to you, Alex. Was you aware at the time of there was a deeper why of, of why you actually did want to make the change and carry on living rather than... Because just listening there, uh, Alex, isn't it true that culturally as Brits particularly, we kind of, we grow up with that cliche and that conditioning of, um, it's not ideal, but better the devil, you know, it, it'll be okay. And we do continue to to walk our path, don't we, with that pebble in the shoe and we, we kind of put up with it, stiff upper lip, just get on with it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's true, isn't it? It very is. Very, very true. Um, I'll give a couple of uh, examples on that. I've always been somebody who can't stand a pebble in my shoe. And my father used to tease me when I was young um, about being like the pea and the princess, you know, where um, the princess could feel a pea under her mattress, even with 10 mattresses piled on top. And I've always been somebody that has to dig out the shoe, mm. uh, dig out the shoe, dig out the pebble from the shoe. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm uncomfortable. The real thing for me, I mean, when I was sitting in hospital, I'll share this with everyone. It's, um, you'll, you'll understand how sort of semi-painful this is. I was actually playing a game with the life support bleeping machine. Um, mm. I'm able to control my uh, heart rate, my pulse. Um, it's something I've always been able to do. It's something I found very helpful when I'm doing my photography. You know, I can hold a uh, single pose you know, if I'm doing a long exposure. Um, just for, you know, a second or two, I can calm things down. But I was actually controlling the uh, regularity of the bleep. Because um, that's at the time I had sepsis, so it's been explained like that. That, you know, you just don't care. And I was actually trying to make it go for a continuous bleep and see if I could come back from it, which is a rather daft game looking back. Um, but fortunately, my wife and daughter walked in and they are my absolute reason for living. Um, they are my everything. And I suppose it really brought home to me why I needed to live, why I needed to get better, um, why I needed to be healthy, to be around for them. Yeah, and that's, do you know, that was kind of... Um... Yeah, that, that, that's an answer or a response or a why, Alex, that it's that leverage, isn't it? it I think it's the ultimate why. Um, and, and that nicely leads into, you know, when, when, when I speak to some people that haven't got the, I suppose what we've got, Alex, that loving family infrastructure um, and, and that bigger leverage of that why. And, and, and you know, guys will say to me, um, people that uh, are currently struggling through you know addiction or 
they're on the streets or whatever. Oh, it's okay for you, Paul. You've got everything. You know, it's it's so easy for you to to offer these fancy theories about you know life and this and that and the other, but you don't understand. But the reality is, Alex, I do, and I know you do, and mm-hmm. we might not have the. I don't know if it's luxury of a of a loving close family, but I think the taking that pebble out that particular shoe is that inspirational insight and reassurance to people to say, but do you know what? I hear three simple words that you offer about, yeah, but why? Because who really cares? Nobody really cares. Well, the reality is actually, yeah, they do. More than you'll ever know. And that's my the message I personally propound, Alex, to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I get feedback from listeners around this that, you know, those three simple words, just giving somebody that time of day, five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, whatever it is, you know, sharing a cup of coffee, giving them, letting them speak, letting them um, share their world and their story. Because isn't it true? We've all got a story that we want to be heard. Yeah, it's, it's giving that listening ear. You know, I've been fortunate that I've had a, a number of people that I've been able to uh, provide a listening ear to. And as I shared at a you know an event, you know I think it's an honour and a privilege to be allowed to be you know shared to have that message shared with you by somebody um, that they trust you enough uh, to share you know their challenges, their problems, and that they respect you enough to share those you know those very personal uh, levels of pain that they have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I feel, Alex, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I feel that, you know, as we play the game of life, it is actually a very, very, very simple game at source. What happens is over time, through circumstances, through conditioning, through labels, Mm -hmm. it becomes very complicated. And we overcomplicate things. I think it is actually very simple. I was speaking to somebody the other day. And I said, you know, it's what you choose to do. Yeah. Um, you know, he has a choice left or right, whichever that means to him. And he said, is it really that simple? And I said, how more difficult do you want it to be? Mm. It is that simple. Make a choice. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I've, I've asked this question of um, some of some of the podcast guests that, that's been previously um, on the show, Alex, around, you know, that have been on world stages um, and are at the top of the game in terms of um, peak performance, personal development, call it what you will, and 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 sort of challenge them, if you will, to to challenge my statement and the one that I know we now agree on that life is a very very simple game, and nobody mm. can and nobody has, um, Alex. I think the caveat on that is, um, but actually carrying it out is not so simple. But it's that, when we have choices and those choices that we need or we decide whether we're going to compromise on something or whether we're going to go directly with that choice. I think a lot of it is our culture, mm. um, input from other uh, sources, other people who then complicate it. And the fact that we accept those complications instead of making the choice that we originally were going to make. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's also kind of galvanized by, you know, when I alluded to earlier on that cultural 
Um, you know, just get on with it. Better devil, you know, conditioning, cliche, call it what you will. Um, and, but to so that there's another one that runs parallel, Alex, listening to what you just said there, that um, anything worth having in life doesn't come easy. Hmm. Where did we pick that one up from? Well, it's, it's almost like when uh, have you ever, you know, you may have done this with your kids, and, and I'm certainly sure I've done it at some point. You know, when they go off to school, you say, um, have a good day, behave well, you know, take care. It's like, why would you say to somebody, take care? Say, go have a great day, study well, enjoy. Exactly. You, know, you can turn these negatives into positives, and it starts with our parents, with influences in our life. Uh, you may have heard the term positive wizards and negative wizards. Mm. Um, you know, negative wizards, no, both the wizards are people we trust and believe in. And they can either give us a negative message or they can give us a positive message. And we accept those because we're pre-programmed to accept them from people we trust or relate to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it is, as you say, and I love the, the simplicity of the word, the C word that you use. Alec choice but it's having that awareness because I know from sort of personal experience and yet again from the countless conversations I have sometimes when you know we're going through dark challenging phases it's very difficult to see the blindingly obvious isn't it it is yeah those sort of visors come down you know we we refuse to see it you know it's that um if you've ever played the game uh, of hunt the keys, you know when you, especially when you're in a hurry and you need your front door key or your car key, and you you say to yourself, "Can't find it, can't find it anywhere," and it's on the, they're on the table right in front of you, and your eyes can see them, and your eyes are telling your brain they're right there, and your brain's saying, "No, my boss has told me that I can't see them, so we're not having them." <laughs> um, you look away, you do something else, someone distracts you, you look back, and there's someone's put those keys. Who put those there? Yeah. You know, it's now we're open to that um, that bit of information that we can now see something. Um, I think a great learning for me was from a, a book called uh, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Mm. He talks about choice in there. And certainly the first chapter is all about what you choose to do in life, um, be it, you know, relationships, be it... Uh, something as simple, you know, he explained it where he went into a uh, workshop and he had, they said, you know, the person uh, running it said, well, sit where you like. And, you know, there were blue folders and yellow folders and he wanted a yellow folder, but where he'd sat down, it was a blue folder. And he said, well, actually, I'd like a yellow folder. And the person running it said, well, why don't you swap with somebody? You no, know, would you like to swap with someone else? And someone else said, oh, I'd much prefer the blue folder. And so he got his yellow folder, you know, as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's and all about choices. It is, and, and I love that word simple as well, you know, because what you alluded to earlier on, Alex, about the language we tell ourselves, you know, the words that we use, and people don't, I think, fully understand the importance and the significance of language, and particularly self-talk. Because isn't it true that, yet again, we, we kind of use familiar language that we've been brought up with and our peers use without really actually ever challenging it. We talk a certain way because, oh, that's how my family talk and that's how my mates talk and that's how everybody in my world talks. Okay, but when you actually break that down and, and sort of uh, reflect on the words that you're using and the binary responses of the brain, black and white, is it positive, is it negative? 
I think it raises it to a different level and and just and I always use the example the metaphor um, Alex of okay so if you was internally feeding yourself 50 beef burgers and chips every day you would not be very well you'd you'd be unhealthy so if you fed yourself 50 metaphoric bad words every day well isn't it true that mentally you wouldn't be very well either it's the same principle it really yeah, very is much, Paul, very much um you know, it's it's so easy though to get caught in that spiral. You know, when you look at social media, you look at the TV. Um, you know, it's it's just so easy to pick up those words. And I think people do have to be stronger for themselves and more self belief and more self worth and more self trust. That when they feel something's wrong or they hear things they don't like or they see something that just doesn't gel, then they need to make that conscious choice. And one of the things I do when I'm working with clients is I educate them to consciously make choices about things during the day and of what they choose to do. You know, mm. consciously choose the good, consciously see, choose to see the good. Um, yeah. You know, our words, our English language is absolutely amazing. And a lot of the things that we say during the day, if you were to actually analyze them, either don't really make a lot of sense, but we've become immune to them and we understand them. Um, but when you translate them into actual meaning, they lose what they are. And that's the challenge for me with emails when, and when you're not seeing somebody or you're not hearing them. Um, you know, it's, it's something I think we have to train ourselves and train others to take on the positives. I agree. And that's where I suppose um, I kind of hasten to use the word coaching or mentoring comes in, Alex. But having somebody in our world, and this kind of brings us back full circle, doesn't it, to that, you know, well, Paul, well, Alex, why do you actually want to live anymore? Um, yeah. For Alex, read wife and daughter. For Paul, read family more generally. Same, you know, the the commonality, mm. there's a big lever there. But for those of us that haven't got that um, that facility luxury in our lives, Alex. I think what's needed is this kind of this guide, this just somebody to show us that actually they do really care. I'm a massive advocate of those three words, as I, as I've already flagged up. Who really cares? And mm. and that can be with a total stranger, as we know. You know what we've spoke about, giving somebody yeah. that presence, letting them speak their truth, because. It's amazing, Alex, isn't it? The the cathartic nature of just somebody feeling they've been listened to, and and Paul and and Alex, I've had this, and I've wanted to tell this story for all my life, and I thought nobody'd ever listen, because who am mm. I? I'm nobody. Well, actually, you, as part of this magnificent universe that we live in, are just as important and just as significant as what you might perceive to be somebody that's embroiled in fame and fortune and mm. that metaphoric well, arm yeah. round the shoulder that presence of okay then mr or mrs stranger tell us your story i'm present yeah. so what was it for you paul that um took you into a different you know different life away from your drink and your sort of habits in that way um Oh, wow, what a what phenomenal question that is. Um, because of my existence from a very, very early age, um, 
Alex, um, just very briefly, because obviously the, the listeners have heard this many, many times before. Um, my mother remarried when I was eight and things went downhill very, very rapidly. Uh, the guy that she married, I subsequently called the beast and cruelty, violence, uh, torture, abuse. I mean, it was all in there for, and that uh, necessitated at a very early age, i.e. 10, that I found mm -hmm. a crutch called the demon drink because my mother was a secret drinker. I used to help myself mm -hmm. to her secret stashes. Um, Isn't it terrible? Kids can find you know, the, the best hidden Christmas present or the worst hidden bottle, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I become addicted. And upshot of that, Alex, I attempted suicide at 13 and a half because I just literally couldn't cope. And now this brings in nicely, this is why it's such a phenomenal question you've asked. Um, at 13 and a half, my football team, I was addicted as well psychologically to my football team that um, they, they were my world. They were my raison d'etre because my domestic world, my family life was was falling apart. My mother used to take daily beatings, trying to protect me from taking daily beatings and mm. the, the abuse and the cruelty and the sadistic nature and everything. And I could kind of cope with that, Alex, in one way. Or, well, I couldn't cope with it, is the reality, but I thought I could. Because the reason I thought I could was, and this is the power of beliefs, I believed that one day I would play for Nottingham Forest Football Club. And that gave me a reason to live. Despite mm. all the, the chaos that was going off in my, in my early life. But where mm. that came to a head and that was shattered was in 1974... Um, on the 21st and the 23rd of March, they lost two games back-to-back -to, -back to teams that play in black and white. The first one was right. Newcastle United right. in an epic cup <laughs> replay, and the second yeah. one was Fulham. Right, yeah. That was it. For me, my world was shattered. And I can, <laughs> I still recall, Alex, the, the language, going back to what we said, that I used, the self-talk, how dare you betray me? How dare you break my heart? Do you not love me? Do you not care for me? And this was my question to Nottingham Forest as a football club. Well, of course, they didn't know who I was. But in my world, I mm. was so important and they were so important that when they lost these two games, it's like the, and betrayal was the word, Alex. Um, mm. OK, there's only one thing for it. I'm going to end this now. I'm going to end this. Um, so that... I'm very sad, Paul, that you found a way back. Uh, well, I think that uh, I think that decision was taken for me because what happened? I ran away from home that night. I went to a secluded spot about two so sort of mining area where where I where I used to live, where I was born and bred, and I went to a secluded cave. Uh, cave areas where the pit um, coal lorries used to pass through, so nobody had found me. Well, not immediately anyway. And something mm -hmm. very profound happened that day in that moment. And as I sat there, Alex, with that. A razor blade over my left wrist something happened and it was when we talk about those those moments those eureka those unexplained moments from above that was absolute and I've had three of them in my life but that was the first of the trio and something pushed me from behind and as it pushed me I fell forward onto the onto the floor and I can just remember, even now, breaking out into 
to uncontrollable sobs and 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 it's like that release because one of the things Alex that I was conditioned even in mm. that in those ver- uh, very early days was big boys don't cry don't cry suck it up and so mm-hmm. I hadn't cried for years but in that moment for somebody pushing me from behind making me stumble forward falling flat on my face on the floor um I just broke down and that energy release just poured out and poured out and poured out mm. and when I got up Alex after what was I don't know probably two or three minutes five minutes whatever it was what was interesting was there was nobody in that little cave and mm-hmm. there was no razor blade to be found either amazing isn't it? yeah now I've really kind of held back on that story because I I felt for a long time that people would find it too woo-woo but, but I think sometimes these things don't need an answer. They don't need explanation. They just happen. Yeah. I think uh, sometimes we go looking for too much, you know, we need, we ask too many questions of some things, and I think sometimes they just are. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. the same as one plus one equals two, and it's it just is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, again, it's overcomplicating. It's, you know, whatever it was, whatever your belief system, something transpired mm. to stop you from um, doing that deed and actually pushed you the other way to actually fulfilling a life where you've, I know you've already helped a lot of people and the work that you do is immensely important. So you were meant to be around for a reason. So something happened. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think, uh, in terms of the rationalization, uh, intellectualization of what's been apparent, Alex, that's that's absolutely so. What I do, though, I take that a stage further and I transfer that stuff from the head, that rational, the intellectual, and put it back in the heart because that's where the real mm-hmm. power is. That's where yeah. the life-changing stuff happens, isn't it? Very much so. I mean, it's interesting, you know, you talk about, um, you know, big boys don't cry, Paul. Um it was interesting, many years ago, if you ever remember, Ellen MacArthur sailed around the world. Yes. Um, a diminutive uh, figure. I mean, absolutely, a little powerhouse, full of energy, amazing lady. Um, she was uh, finishing the race, and she was trying to pull the daggerboard out of one of the hulls of her boat, and it had broken. And just she sat there crying. And the media the next day was, oh, Ellen MacArthur's in tears, poor little woman and everything. And I thought, you guys really don't understand that when there's nothing left, when you're so exhausted, both physically and mentally, the only thing you can actually do is cry because that's all you've got left. Mm. And I had a situation, um, you know, and people just don't realise what it is. I mean, I, I had a situation where I was walking from Plymouth to Dartmouth. I did it over five days and I was carrying my backpack. It was literally four days after I'd finished my um, first bout of chemo. Um, Probably shouldn't have done it health-wise, but I was determined to do it. And I got within a quarter of a mile of um, a place where I could go and have something to eat and drink. And I ran out of energy. I literally ran out. And I sat on a bench that I managed to get to and I cried and cried Mm. because I had nothing left. Um, fortunately, you know, after I cried for probably, you know, five, ten minutes or so, um, fortunately it was raining, so no one could see that I was crying because it was just, I was just soaked. Um, 
but I blubbed and it was the only thing I had left. And I think sometimes when we're so down, you know, it's the one thing we have that we can physically do. And it does relieve the stress. And I then remember that I had a small pack of uh, pineapple pieces. So I, I managed to eat those and got to the, uh, uh, the pub where they allowed me, you know, I didn't smell particularly great after uh, three days of walking. Mm. Um, and I, you know, they allowed me to have a, a decent meal there and that made all the difference. Um, but I think, you know, we need to realize that physically and emotionally, you know, mentally, sometimes that's all we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Just to finish off answer uh, and give you the answer, Alex, to your mm -hmm. very, very, uh, I think profound, but I mean that in a really, um, positive empowering way um what happened that day was as well from a, an awareness point of view and obviously as a kid i didn't in those days i had to have any sort of awareness of what awareness is and that kind mm. of thing you know i was too busy surviving i didn't have the intellectual or the emotional maturity to understand what was really happening but what i did understand was this and this was my, ex my verbatim my language right from now on i will fight i will fight for the underdog and for for that alex was a kind of for people that can't help themselves i'm here that's my purpose and and you know that was my mantra for many years my focus right up until 50 those you know uh 10 years ago where mm. it was that okay now i've changed the language because obviously i will fight for the underdog is uh i think generally accepted as being quite patronizing but mm. the sentiment, Alex, is still there. The raw kind of let me try and help people that just need that bit of guidance, support to maybe take that proverbial pebble out the shoe because they don't know how or that arm, the arm around the shoulder to, to reassure that, that people do really care. And I'm only one of millions and millions and millions because I think inherently as human beings, we do care. Sometimes yeah. I think we struggle in showing that. Um, and that can be a cultural thing as well, as we know. But I think just, it's also a gender thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hence the big boys don't cry uh, approach. Yep. Um, but do you, what's interesting, Alex, to answer your question about what happened then with the drink, it was that turning the clock back all those years to that fateful day mm -hmm. um, in March 74 when I vowed to fight for the underdog. And in a much more kind of advanced awareness state, Alex, it was like, okay, this is your why, Paul. You've got a lot of work to do, boy. So pack this nonsense up called drink. Start living your life, what you was here to do. And now make that statement, never, ever again will I touch the demon drink. And that mm -hmm. is, that was nearly, well, that'll be 10 years ago in February coming Alex, um, so that hopefully answers your question. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much for sharing that. So as we draw to a close, Alex, as I always do with guests, I always ask one massive question at the end. But before I do that, I just want to, first of all, thank you immensely for, you know, for your share, for your part of this, what I call a dance, Alex, this energetic exchange, these insights, uh, the wisdom, dare I say, so immense gratitude, Alex. I really do appreciate that. And I know that, uh, that our listeners will too. So thank you for that. 
And the other one is, Alex, how can people reach out and get in touch with you, find out more about you, the work you do? What's your contact details? Uh, I can be reached um, on my website. It's alexpetty.biz, and there is a contact link on there. People can email me directly at alex at alexpetty.biz. That's bravo indiga zulu um, at the end of my uh, email name. Superb. Um, and you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm reasonably easy to find. Thanks. Although there's only half of me to find now than there was from <laughs> the beginning of the year. Um, it was very nice greeting from my colleague uh, when I went down to Portsmouth uh, on Saturday. Um, he gave me a massive hug. And we've known each other for over 13 years. And he said, it's great to give you a massive hug, although it's a lesser hug than it used to be because you're not so large. And yeah. he said, you know, you're looking great. And it's been so nice that I've, because I'm very much like you, I, I like to help other people. It's my thing. Um, and to get the feedback from others that, you know, the boy's done good. And that was very heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I understand and embrace and resonate with that, Alex. So, um, and just to reassert to, to listeners that Alex's contact uh, contact details will be in the show notes as ever. So finally then, Alex, um, the big question, the big question. And how I frame this with guests at the end is, okay, it's that proverbial elevator pitch. We're in the lift together, Alex, probably total strangers. Um, I don't know that it needs to be total strangers, but I'm just trying to sort of... Uh, set the scene here we've got yeah. 30 seconds or you've got 30 seconds only in the proverbial elevator as we climb up to the next level to answer the question so alex you've lived a very colorful life a lot of wisdom what is the one lesson that you would pass on to the world just one and by the way alex we've only got 30 seconds until the lift gets to the next level. What would that be, Alex, that one lesson in 30 seconds? That's a fantastic question, Paul. For me, it's about choosing a positive attitude. You make a choice in your life. Why not choose positive? Superb. And what I love about those answers Alex that come back it's very 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 rare that people actually need 30 seconds it's like bang there you go there's your answer nothing more to be said thanks Alex that's superb Brilliant to speak to you Paul so there we go listeners and as is the way um, all that remains now is to say remember no matter what you do in life always walk your path with heart hearts helping everyone achieve results towards success.